Yep, it's the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Here we go. Skilly diddly diddly biddly diddly biddly diddly biddly diddly diddly biddly diddly biddly diddly biddly diddly bop. Whoa. Sweet. Matt. Hey. You're supposed to wait till after we start to crack the beer so that you can crack it and everybody gets to join in on the fact that... I thought about that. Right when I cracked it, I thought that should have been on mic. You couldn't wait. It was a it was a real fresh, crisp crack. Here's the thing. Full transparency. It's before noon. It's just afternoon. Oh, we made it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 12 it, it, something. 24. And we're here in the lab. It's two days till Christmas. It's webisode number 72. <laughs> Joss and Ryan, nowhere to be seen. Just empty seats as far so as So we're in here. We're doing it. It's a nice rainy day outside. We're locked down tightly in here. The lava lamp is burning brightly in the window as a beacon for all the lost souls in the world. May they find their way home. And hopefully Joss and Ryan might find their way back. But <laughs> from I've... where I'm sitting... That's kind of looking a whole lot like your seat these days. It, it actually, there's like this crease in the in the seat that it is, like fits your butt. Fits my butt. Nice. Yep. You've yeah. made it your own. It's mine now. So Joss. good riddance, Joss. Yeah. You know. Uh, so anyway, we are here. Like I said, it's episode seventy-two. Welcome to you, the weekly lava lamper. And if you are a new listener, thank you for joining us. Um, we are here doing it for you, because if you weren't listening. Then you know, it would I, like be it would like be the tree falling in the woods. We, no it would be weird. So anyway, thank you for being here. We're here. We're drinking. It's afternoon, so we may we don't feel so creepy. No, no, and and it's a holiday, so I think like you know weekend rules apply. Okay, cool. No, for sure. Yeah, weekend rules for the next couple weeks. It's awesome. It's awesome, and it's kind of like still pandemic, and weekend rules kind of like our <laughs> pandemic rules. Right. It all. Just blurs together. Everyone started drinking a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm finally starting to come down off my pandemic alcoholism. Were you, would you say that that you kind of hit your all time high during, during the pandemic? pandemic? You know, it was consistent. I wouldn't say that it was uh, ever at one time uh, really excessive, but it was really consistent. I mean, that's what it was for me too. I'm not going to say like I wasn't. Drinking to an excess that I never have reached before, <laughs> but I was doing it on much more of a consistent basis. Right, right. And so, yeah, I don't drink. I'm not. I'm not daily drinking as much as I, I was there for a while when we're all on lockdown and everyone was home all day, every day. I mean, it was really easy to slip into that. Well, and it you was know, stressful too. I 10 a.m. cocktail. I don't know if this applies to you, but you know, a lot of people had a lot of anxiety around uh, COVID, and and uh, drinking was a good way to deal with that. Well, for sure. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, just being cooped up, yeah, caused anxiety. You know, and and drinking is a way to like pass the time. Yeah, I'm wondering is it is it a glimpse of what retirement is going to be like? Uh, from what I've seen. <laughs> You know, when you're down in like Key West, Florida, or out in Palm Springs, yeah, it those starts people, early. Yeah, seem to do a lot of day drinking. Yeah, golf cart community. Oh yeah. yeah. Can you get a DUI in a golf cart? For sure you can. I'm sure you can, but I'm sure in those communities there's not a lot of cops rolling around looking for people. It's a lot of leeway. I yeah. mean, you really have to get yourself into some. Yeah. Like Larry's out on the fairway again. You know, <laughs> streaking the country club. That'll get you. Yeah, that might get you someone's attention. You drive the golf cart into the pond. Yeah, that'll get someone's attention. Maybe a breathalyzer sure. gets whipped out on you. Yeah, yeah. They might take the. Is there a key for a golf cart? Yeah, golf carts have. I mean, keys. For me, that's the only fun there is. I'm not a big golfer. Yeah. I don't like to necessarily actually golf, but I'll go out and get shit faced and drive the golf cart around. So oh, fun. That's the best part. <laughs> it really is. Blair some music that's slightly inappropriate. You know, that's and that has become a thing. People bring speakers onto the golf course a lot now. That was not a thing before, but our generation definitely is all about playing tunes while playing golf. And it's fine, right? No one seems to mind. Back in the day it was a lot more like Except for my uncle. Hush. Yeah. And now we're out there like, woo, beastie boys. <laughs> yeah. 
fight for your right to party. Well, that sounds way more fun. Yeah, no. I mean, I think I like golf more than you. I don't love golf, but I do love just, you know, fresh air, a beer, cigar. So, I mean, weather permitting, right? Like I said, it's raining right now in Southern California. And, like, this is, like, the height of winter for us. Just the dead of winter. Wearing T-shirts. Slight drizzle. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, I've got a T-shirt and a light sweater on. Now, weather permitting, during this time that we're talking about, you know, no one's working, you got some time off, will you do a little golfing? Is that something that is part of your kind of leisure time activity? It it would be, except for my dad has had knee replacement, and he's the guy I usually go out with. So it's not something that you necessarily you do on your own, but you I do, do not initiate. You'll golf. go with pops. I go with pops. Okay. Yeah, Uncle Mark. Okay, it's a family kind of guy thing. It is. But your dad's knee might be prohibitive. It is, but uh, actually yesterday he got the sign off. Maybe he could just be the golf cart guy. Uh, he's we've done that. Paying uh, twenty five bucks and he drives around and he's like our caddy. He like finds our balls for us and tells us where to hit and like something goes fun out there. there. Yeah, that could be your job, Jer. You don't have to golf. No, I no, I, I definitely have been the guy that just pays like the cart fee. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Still get to drive the cart. Super still fun. Still get to drink beer. The whole thing. You yeah. just don't have to be frustrated the entire time right. at your complete lack of skill. Exactly. Because I don't even care how good you are at golf. You're going to have that one bad shot that's going to ruin your whole day. And I don't want to ruin my day. See, I look at it the other way. I'm pr- pretty consistently bad, and I'm always just waiting for that one good shot that kind of the makes make your, your day. day. Yeah. That's, that's way I... more positive. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a can uh, Bottle, glass, full kind of guy. So Christmas, talking about Christmas traditions, golf with the family kind of a thing that you guys do. It would be, yeah. It would be. Uh, that was never something that we did. Yeah. Um, how about drinking in general? Because yeah, th- th- that is something that I've always found very fascinating. Because there's those families that get together and like it's a party. Yeah. And then there's those families that get together and, and not so much. So growing up, just to start it off, growing up, my family wasn't necessarily a big partying family. Christmas was, there was a lot of tradition, but it was a lot of very wholesome. Very kid-oriented. Yeah, kid making fudge and jacking the Christmas tree and playing the Christmas tunes and family getting together and playing like board games the night before Christmas. And we didn't really ever have a big family like uh, meal tradition. Like we don't Mm. do a turkey or a ham or anything. Our Christmas Eve, we did a lot of ordering in Chinese food. Pizza, that was part of our tamales. tradition. Tamales. We're a tamales family. Um, and then our big meal was was Christmas breakfast. We'd wake up Christmas morning and my mom would make biscuits and gravy. Mm. And that was like a big part of our Christmas tradition. Was, you know, biscuits and gravy had to be a part of it. Right. Um, but drinking was never really it. You know, we didn't really do spike the nog the yeah. night before or the day of. It was that was not really a thing until some of the younger generation kind of came into their own. And now me and my nephews and, you know, when I went out last last year to spend uh, Christmas with at my brothers, we partied a little more than what I remembered us doing as I was growing up. Right. That wasn't that wasn't when your parents were. About. No, my parents weren't the Christmas partiers. They yeah. weren't mixing the, you know, the rum. Making hot toddies. Yeah, any of that. That yeah. wasn't our thing. How about you guys? We, uh, uh, yeah, less so these days for various reasons, but we... Um, there was always there was always some cocktails flying on. Christmas well, you guys night. used to have the big uh, family Christmas party with the Care Pilates, and that was like oh, a boy. big. That yeah. was a drinker. That was a drinker. That was years ago. It's been years since we did that one. Um, but yeah, you know, my aunt and uncle come over, cousins. You know, yeah, do you guys there's... do nog? No, no. Everyone just drinks what they drink. So there's not like a specific holiday no. drink. You know, maybe the green of the lime and the vodka tonic is about as festive as it gets. The one thing that my parents would occasionally do, and it wasn't ever really on Christmas Eve, but if they did have a Christmas party, you know, leading up, occasionally, you know, I I remember um, the buttered rum. Mm. Did you ever have buttered rum? Uh, no, it's is it like a buttermilk or is it butter like? No, uh, it's rum and then this like like butterscotch. You yeah, you kind of mix in this like mix and mm. you you heat up like hot water. It's like a toddy. Okay, heat up hot water and mix in rum and then like, there was this like hot buttered rum mix you mixed mm. in there. 
And it was really good. It added some like maple flavors and some like yeah. creaminess. And you drink it out of a coffee mug. That was the only holiday drink that I really remember. Yeah, we're, no one really likes eggnog in our family. And that's, you know, I don't I know. I feel like those kind of holiday drinks are like have kind of just gone by the wayside. Yeah. It's kind of like rumaki. Yeah. You know, or like, um, you know, certain like appetizers at, at Christmas parties. Oh, you, like stuff. fondue? Yeah, they kind yeah. of don't do that anymore. Yeah, no, people don't really do Raclette? Yeah. Where was I the other day, though? Someone did have some nog sitting around. Was it on the boat or something like that? any rate, no, the, that's, those aren't really traditional things anymore. Um, and, Mold you know, it could, wine? could be one of those things that like no one really ever liked, but they did it because it was tradition. You know, there's a lot of those kinds of things in that, you know, we... You know, like, like no one really likes peppermint, you know, flavored coffee creamer, but it's festive. Now, I don't know. You put some peppermint schnapps in some hot chocolate. Mm. That is a good time. In fact, I was on a boat the other day, cold, and we had, um, they did two hot drinks. They did uh, uh, apple cider, spiced apple cider mm. with, with bourbon in it. I like that. That was good. And then they did the uh, the hot chocolate with, with schnapps in it. It was also pretty right. tasty. Maybe that's a personal thing. I don't like mint chocolate. It's just a weird combination. Mm. I, yeah. Well, I think that that is a personal thing because I think a lot of people would think that mint and chocolate go great together. Yeah. Not for you, though. Not for me. Not for to me. To yeah. something. By the way, I remember that your parents did have raging Christmas parties in the backyard years ago. I don't know when they stopped those, but I went to one, and it was like, it was, I mean, there was a lot of people, you know, hand-passed appetizers, bartenders in multiple locations in the backyard. I don't right, know they, they did. It was a big Christmas party that they would throw like a week before Christmas. It was mainly based around the business right. and business associates. I mean, it was a, you know obviously friends and family were invited, but it was it was a big kind of like business thing. Sure, I wouldn't necessarily say you know that that. I mean, sure, that was a big party, but partying wasn't a big part yeah. of our family's tradition. I got gotcha. you. Whereas, you know, there's families that get together for Christmas and they're just wasted. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that we were wasted, although my brother and I would probably tie one on pretty hard. But Thanksgiving, you know, some families get together, they just, they party. Yeah. The Bruskas party. Oh, my God. Have you ever done the turkey golf uh, outing that they do? It's crazy. Like, they do, like, a, a mini golf tournament and it's hardcore. I mean, it's not for the weak of heart. It's a lot of day drinking. A lot of day drinking. Or morning drinking. How about food tradition? Do you guys do like a turkey or a ham? or? So we do uh, tamales for Christmas Eve. Okay. Uh, Los Galandrinas, shout out. Los nice. Galandrinas. Um, and then we do, uh, uh, what do you call that? A Chateaubriand. Ooh. Yeah. Which is basically just a giant filet, right? Right, it's wrapped an, in crust. An, yeah. Um, yeah, we just salt and pepper and barbecue it. Just throw it right on the grill. That's how we. Uh, that's how we do it. Is that what it's called, Chateaubriand? It's basically like an uncut fillet. You know, the loin, uh, which is fillet mignon, uncut. So it's just a huge loin, and you cook it, and it's absolutely delicious. My brother uh, barbecues it and just nails it every year. And it's you know fairly rare in the middle. Yep. Well, it, you know it's. It's thicker on one end, thinner on the other, so you get like a you can go all the way from rare to well done. It's so Chateaubriand is a dish that traditionally consists of a large center cut fillet of tenderloin grilled between two lesser pieces of meat that are discarded after the cooking. Oh, okay. Well it's not a Chateaubriand, but it is <coughs> it is that piece of meat. And it is delicious. interesting to, method of cooking. I'd never really heard of before using other pieces of meat and then discarding them and then discarding them. Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that sounds pretty good. Yeah, and you know what potatoes. are you? What are the accoutrements? Okay, yeah, yeah. Always like the scalloped potatoes, big big scalloped potato family. You know, my mom. Uh, she, you know, she's got a lot of those recipes that have like a can of cream of something in it. So, Getting very kind of dated. Yeah. You know, that that style of cooking where I call it dump cooking. Yeah. Where you, you know, everything, ha you dump a can of 
you know, kidney beans. You dump a can of, you know, cream of mushroom soup in it. You know, yeah, a lot of casserole style. <sighs> That's that was definitely her way of cooking. Growing up, it was a you know tuna noodle cat tuna noodle casserole. Uh, that was a big one in the house. But yeah, there was always, you know, there's you brought that up actually last time you were on the show. Yeah. It was one of those dishes that nobody really likes. No. I did not ever like it. I've never been a tunic. I don't want hot tuna. Except for a tuna melt. I don't I no, again, I'm not a tuna melt. I would never in a million years order a tuna melt. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's funny, it's one of those mental things that yeah, like hot tuna, gross. But Tried a tuna melt once and loved it, and I'm sure it's just like a mental block. I'm not really that into tuna, to be totally like, like uh, canned tuna. Yeah, mm, white, white not gonna yeah in water, not oil. Not That's gonna gross. ever probably get that. Yeah, well, I don't whip up a tuna fish sandwich. Oh, I do all the time. Ugh, <laughs> love it. Salami, maybe. Well, sure, a salami. Sandwich. Tuna fish. Yeah, tuna salad. Oh, we did talk about this before. Yeah. Tuna salad sandwich. Or a tuna you fish. You like a chicken salad sandwich? Um, Maybe. With if, the crust cut off? Now, if, yeah, if I'm going to have, no, it doesn't have to have the crust cut off. If I'm going to have a chicken salad sandwich, it's going to be a proper chicken salad with, like, chunks of chicken. Yeah. Where you, you, you baked off either a whole chicken or at least some breasts and you diced it. I don't want canned chicken salad. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have canned chicken salad either. No, that doesn't sound good. Although, do you remember? Did we already? Talk, I think we talked about this too. Deviled ham. Do you remember deviled ham? It was like ham in a can, but it was like shredded and spiced somehow. It was a canned ham. Yeah, but it was like shredded, or it was e- it was easy to shred. Well, it was it was spreadable. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, deviled ham. Do you know what spam stands for? Well, the second half is definitely ham. It's spiced ham. Oh, okay. Spam. It, Another canned ham. Is it pork? Yes, it is. All pork? Yeah, I believe so. Huh. It's ham. Yeah. Which would lead you to believe it's all pork. You know, spam is one of those things that definitely gets a bad rap because when you when you have it, what are those things called? Uh, it's like sushi, but you make it with spam. Masubi. Yeah. Those are pretty good. I love a Spam Masubi. Now, here's the thing. I don't crave Spam. But there are certain dishes that I'll eat it on every single time. Masubi being one of them. For whatever reason, Spam and white rice go really well together. Spam being so salty and white rice taking salt so well, you know, they're, they're fantastic together. Um, so yeah, I'm getting, as a guy, I'm getting ready to spend Hawaii in, or spend Hawaii, spend Christmas in Hawaii. Ah. And I will tell you that I will be eating uh, several Spam Masubi while I am over there. Yeah. That's like the snack. Is that like the, the taco of Hawaii? Well, Spam, big in Hawaii. Yeah. Spam, big in any place where they, the American military spend a lot of time. Mm. You see Spam throughout, uh... Like the island. South Pacific. Yeah, the South Pacific. Yeah. Guam. Spam's big in Guam. Uh, spam big in Hawaii. Uh, Okinawa. Eat a lot of Spam. Now, is, so did, was Spam created either by or for the U.S. Navy? Yeah, I believe so. It was like a art, ready to eat. Yeah. Uh, re, you know, ration. Yeah. Uh, I think created around World War II. Uh-huh. We'd probably get some fr- if Ryan was actually here on the internet. He'd be looking all this up for us. Spam is a brand of canned cooked pork made by Hormel Foods Corporation. It was introduced by Hormel in 1937. Wow, is that wartime, Matt? Just before the Second World War, and gained popularity worldwide after its use during World War II. Yep. By 2003, Spam was sold in 41 countries on six continents and trademarked in over 100 countries. Wow. Main ingredient: pork. Yeah. Regional state, Minnesota. Oh. Serving temp, hot or cold. Yeah, you can eat it at any time. Cold spam? I've never tried it. No, that's not true because Masubi, you go into like a 7-Eleven in, in Hawaii, you can get like No, Masubi. but they're under like a heating lamp. Are they? Yeah, they're, okay. they're generally under a heating lamp. Now, growing up, full-blown had spam on white bread with mayonnaise sandwiches. Really? Oh, yeah. I 
guarantee you, uh, you know, kindergarten, first, second grade, a couple of those early years, definitely had spam sandwiches. Was that the only way that you would uh, have spam in that? Like spam and eggs? No, mom fried spam and eggs. I'll still eat a fried spam and egg. Yeah. I like it. Fried, it gives it that extra crisp, right. some, some more consistency, mouthfeel. Raw spam is a little... Although well, it's not raw, know, it's cooked. On the you know, I'd probably eat it on a saltine right now. Yeah. I like sardines, mm. canned sardines. I like them the the ones with a little the hot sauce in them, mm. or I get the ones that are canned in olive oil, slightly smoked, and then I'll add hot sauce. Sardines and saltines, I call it deans and teens. That and a beer, baby. It just seems like something you'd eat on a dare. No, it's good. I would, in fact, I would rather, if I had my druthers, I mean, I did it the other night. I sat down and ate an entire can of sardines, a sleeve of uh, saltines, and drank a Modelo Tallboy. Wow. It was fantastic. An entire sleeve of saltines, Jer? Well, the short sleeve. Uh-huh. You know, whatever it took to, <laughs> to get the, the can in me. Right, right, The Deans. Right. It was just the delivery platform. It was the short sleeve and then a full, the little oval can of sardines. Right. Tallboy. Bunch of crystal hot sauce. That's a great afternoon. Oh, that was an <laughs> absolute bliss. Uh, you know what? There's just so many good things to eat. I just don't need to eat a sardine. I find myself cra- – for me, it's a crave item. It's definitely like a snacky – There's obviously, so there's some nostalgia there. I used yeah. to eat that with my grandpa. Uh, uh, but the, I, it's good. Me and Bruska – Bruska and I will sit down and kill a thing of sardines. Like when we used to do – when we were doing Smack Kitchen – and we were working, you know, in the kitchen all day. Didn't have a whole lot of downtime. It was that was definitely like a kind of keep us going snack. Hmm. Now, is there like a? I mean, you just go to the grocery store and just buy sardines. Or there is are there certain like... ones, and I can't think off the top of my head. I know them by the packaging. Yeah, there are definitely ones that are better than the other ones. Actually, what I've uh, recently discovered is I found a um, an Argentinian market. That has an assortment. Uh, apparently, I guess, are, they eat a ton of canned sardines in, in Argentina. Mm. And they have an assortment of awesome ones at this Argentinian market. And that's been my kind of go-to place lately. I'll go in there and buy f- four or five cans at a time. Yeah. Um, but I, I just feel like it's something that Coach Baseball would send over and, like, you know, dare us to eat. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But Anyway, I, but that's just me. I, li- I like it. Good. I like a sardine. How about you, ladies and gentlemen? You like a sardine? Let us know. <laughs> call us. Lines are open. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> Don't call. Don't call. No one's here. Uh, but you can email us. Go to the webpage, websworldwide.com, and uh, and let us know what you think about sardines, because I think they're pretty good. How about whiskey, Matt? You like whiskey? Mm, yeah, every once in a while. Bourbon? Uh, Yes. Well, I got a drink of choice. I got a great one here. I'm Matt, excited. Let's... Ooh, nice pop. Russell's Reserve Single Barrel. All right. Now, where does this hail from? This is a Kentucky. This is made. Wow. That is so funny. I mean, that is, that's the real sound of pouring a a shot of Russell's. Why, did you always think that I was, like, editing in the sound effects? Yeah, it just, it has a different quality to it than, than what it sounds like in person. Um... So here, let me scoot this over to you. Okay. I've I've developed this little it. push process. Um, Get it all it. the way across the table to oh, you. Oh boy! How was that? It's pretty done. It pretty worked. Good. Russell's Reserve. Let's try it. All right. Cheers to you. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ooh. I mean, I like that it. is everything. Yeah. Not too spicy. That you want in a bourbon. Yeah. I mean, wood, cinnamon, vanilla, all those things that we say, you know, we've drilled to death. This is, I think, like 111 proof. Oh, wow. So being that high proof and not being absolute gasoline, especially on the first sip. Because we've talked a lot about how on, like, any alcohol, especially over 80 proof, is going to be gasoline-y on the first sip. Your, Your mouth is just getting used to... Have an alcohol in it, right? But this one for the on the very first sip, I mean, was extremely pleasurable. Very mellow, which means it's probably going to even be more mellow the, the more second we drink. time around. Yeah. Wow. Dangerous. 
hundred and huh? Let's let's look it up. Hundred and hundred and hundred and one. I think it said. Here we go. Russell's Reserve Single Barrel Bourbon. I'm going to read this right off their website. Crafted in the birthplace of bourbon, that means Kentucky, Kentucky. with techniques dating back to pre-prohibition, Russell's Reserve Single Barrel Bourbon is matured in the deepest number four alligator char. I talked about this, uh, I think, last week or two weeks ago when I did my little bourbon uh, uh, whiskey kind of uh, retrospective. Alligator char is the highest level of char in a bourbon barrel, and they call it alligator char because it's so burnt and cracked that it, it, it resembles looks like alligator, alligator skin. skin, which is giving it that high level of smokiness, all of that wood yeah. contact. That's why, I mean, the, the very first sip, the very first thing I tasted was wood. Yeah. Which a lot of times, the wood's the last thing you taste. The alcohol's the first thing you taste. Right. This one, the wood, it was wood forward. Um, and that's because it's 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 old. It's been in the barrel a long time, and it's it's at the highest level of char. Um, this is individually bottled at 110 proof. Oh boy! Non chill filtered. Chill filtering is something that they do to alcohol. Um, most times you do it uh, with a blended alcohol at a lower proof. And why you chill filter is because a lot of times. Um, Alcohol will, if, if for anybody, for for instance, that has ever um, enjoyed absinthe, when you do that process of pouring the absinthe over the sugar cube into the cold water and it turns that milky color, mm-hmm. that is something that happens to alcohol and water when they combined at a cold temperature. Mm. So if you have an alcohol that has a high water content to it, a lot of times when it gets cold, it'll it'll get milky in the bottle itself, mm. which doesn't look good on the shelf. It's not a it's not a great selling point. Suspect. It 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 mark marketing. You know the consumer doesn't love to see a, a milky kind of bottle. No. It doesn't mean anything that the, the the stuff inside it is bad. It means that the alcohol and the water are not having a molecular marriage um, due to a temperature variant. That's Mm. really all that's happening. You don't have to deal with it as much in high proof. So the fact that they're putting non-chill filtered on here, they they would have never chill filtered this, but Ah. it's kind of a marketing thing. They put it on there, hey, non-chill filtered just as it's meant to be enjoyed. Well, great. You were never going to do that. This is not special. Yeah, (laughs) thanks for putting it on the (laughs) bottle for me. What does this remind you of, by the way? Like When I tasted it, I'm like, oh, that is... Exactly like. Hold on, let me get through this. Uh, personality captures yeah, our signature toffee and vin- vanilla tones. Mm-hmm. Definitely getting the, the toffee and vanilla. Rich oaky notes meet an intense spiciness, which creates a robust taste that is best experienced right out of the bottle. Well, we didn't experience that out of the bottle. We put it in shot glasses first. They're encouraging you to drink directly from the I bottle. I mean, it says <laughs> is it is best experienced right out of the bottle. <laughs> Maybe they mean not over ice. Well. <laughs> <coughs> so it definitely reminds me of like Woodford or you know it's not as like oaky as like Jack Daniels which by the way I can't believe we used to drink that shit it's I mean, not bad it's not a bad product I, Jack, Jack yeah no Jack is I still think it's awful it's great what the thing about Jack is that there's not a ton of character because of the the Lincoln County process Jack is not a bourbon okay mm, Jack is a whiskey. Tennessee whiskey right and it's it is uh, filtered through charcoal and charcoal filtering removes a lot of those kind of outlier congeners and a lot of the stuff that after several years of aging, those flavors become the character. Right. The notes. The notes, that character. So what, what, what Tennessee whiskey has is kind of zero character. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's kind of, it's wood flavored booze. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Because of the Lincoln County filtering process, and you've already gone through that. I'm sure. I, we have, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, Jack's not a bad product. It's it's great. It's it's it, but it's it's new. It's kind of always going to have that. There's not a lot to it. Yeah. It's just it's very like you know Jack is one that it's great in, with Coca Cola. Oh yeah. But I'm not going to necessarily want to drink it neat because there is no character. Yeah. Is is that Lincoln County process to to create kind of a continuity, a consistency? Is that kind of the purpose of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of conjecture of how it came about, who invented it, the first people to do it, why it's done. 
Um, when we talked about uh, Jack Daniels and Uncle Nearest and that relationship and who those people were, and we discussed a little bit about Nearest um, is is the person who has been attributed with introducing that process and teaching it to Jack. Um, it is likely that it's tied to um, his uh, relationship to Africa and the slave trade in East Africa, the charcoal filtering process was something that the um, the tribes did to uh, to purify their water. Right. So anything that they drank went through a charcoal filtering process. So they believe that that process was brought with the slaves, and it and it infiltrated the distilling. Yeah, you probably thought it was a great idea. Like, oh, this is gonna like cleanse, purify, it, and it, purify make, it. Right, yeah. exactly. I gotcha. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. But it, it's, uh, you know, yeah. a lot Meh. of conjecture. Oh, and it is. Yeah. It, rem- it removes the character. Yeah. Of of the the product, I think. So we would never do that here. No, no. It's not part of the plan. Not part of the plan. Good, good. I would, I would hate to think that you are gonna charcoal filter whatever it is you're gonna create. So, how many? Uh, uh, the, the alligator is four times char. Yes, that is the how highest. How many chars are you gonna do? Three, probably. Okay. One less. What is that called? Just a number three char. Okay. There's the- not like a. An animal association. No, there's not. Ferret nose. <laughs> it is the moose charm. Yeah, moose knuckle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I plan on. Um, you know, who knows? We'll probably actually do a little bit. We'll we'll experiment. I mean, that could definitely be part of the 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 marketing. The branding is to you know like oh this oh, but have you tried their their three times? That that one's actually my favorite. No, no, I prefer the two times. It's just a little less oaky, a little less. Woody. I mean, I think definitely we would do that. Um, especially initially, we'll fill a number two, a number three, a number four, and after two years, we try all three of them and decide which product yeah. we like the best, and then we kind of focus there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we've got a couple of each on hand at that point that allows us to do different things. We can do single barrel bottlings. This one's a number three, number four, number five, different brands. Yep. Uh, or we can do a blend at that point. Pick the, the, the notes that we like the best out of the four and the three and the two and then do a, a blend where right. we're trying to you know celebrate the individual characteristics that we like from those different barrels. By the way, are you shocked that there's not a, a, a bourbon out there that isn't branded like alligator branding and kind of celebrating that whole alligator char? Yeah, uh, I would be actually surprised if there isn't. Now let me let me just alligator char bourbon. I'm gonna. Yeah, maybe someone has done it. Maybe we just haven't. I would be surprised, but you know, I, I've never seen it. Yeah, no, neither have I. I mean, that seems like. Let's and just then... try whiskey, alligator char whiskey. I'm gonna put in here. See what pops up. Okay. Age your own whiskey, nerdy whiskey number two, barrel charring. What do you need? I'm not seeing a product called Alligator Char Bourbon. Copyright. Boom, getting it. <laughs> Put it claiming the copyright. Yeah, boom. Right now. Getting online right now. Yeah. Um, well, that'd be fun. You know, I could see that being like a, you know, some kind of Louisiana whiskey, right? Someone's making some whiskey down there, a bourbon whiskey and and you know the marketing lines up. Yeah, the marketing lines up. Maybe you can name the other chars, like uh, you know, like the golden Moose bear. Knuckle. Right. 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 The brown bear. Or right. The Number three is yeah. a is kind of a golden bear char. Yeah. You know, it goes along with the California. I like it. Number three, golden bear char. Right. There's nobody that says we can't do that. There's no one that says that. Because they call those extra words on a bottle. Now, this is a something we've discussed before. When you are bringing a product to market, the process you go through is the cola process. And cola is, I can't off the top of my head, but it's the... Cost of living adjustment. Yeah, cost of living adjustment. No, it is <laughs> the um, certificate of label approval. Oh. And what that is is essentially you you submit your label with all of the stuff on it, bourbon, aged five years, blah, 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 blah. And then the ABC says, or the TTB actually, the, the formerly the, the ATF, yeah. the feds, they say, 
okay, yes, you can say this because you fit all the parameters. You can call it bourbon because it is two, at least two years old. You can say this, 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 and this. There are certain parameters. Sure. You, in order to be able to call it bourbon, in order to be able to call it whiskey, in order to be able to call it vodka, you mm. have to fit these certain parameters. So that is part of the cola process. They make sure that you're calling it what it actually is, sure. not calling it rum when it's actually vodka. Right. So that kind of thing. Sure. So they, they're vetting that. And then they're allowing you to put these other extra words on there that don't necessarily have to fit any parameters. And they call that puffery. Aha. I like that word. And puffery, you can get pretty loose with it. And that's mm. the stuff, you know, barrel aged falls under that. Oh, okay. Um, uh, uh, barrel proof? Well, barrel, barrel proof. Um, no, see, th those things are actually a thing. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is uh, other things like, um, what would be another thing, version? Well, of what were you saying about this bottle, that it has, uh, there's something that they talk about there that, like, made it, you know. Oh, the <sighs> cold filtered. Right, cold filtered, hand selected. Yeah, right. Uh, handmade. Uh-huh. Words like that that don't really mean anything. Sure. That's puffery. Okay. And you can get away with it. Um, there's, uh, there's one in, in Kentucky that I always, when we were kind of, when I was taking the kind of class on colas, one of the ones that we went through, uh, I forget what the brand is, but there's a bourbon in Kentucky and on the bottle it says made by ghosts. Ah. Clearly it's not. No. And I was like, well, how the fuck do they get away with that? You know, like is it not being false advertising or whatever? And it's because that one is it's like so far off field that it's like, well, clearly it's not made of ghosts. Yeah, made by ghosts. So it's, it's puffery. It. You can put it on your bottle. I, I'm just picturing some guy in a cubicle in like Washington D.C. Like, and it really sitting, does. Yeah, you will be surprised. I've I've talked to several people across the industry, and it really does kind of fall to whose yeah. desk you land on oh, that day. Bob Bob reviewed your label. No You're wonder. never going to get it to be able to say made by ghosts. But if Bill <laughs> reviews it, yeah. like he'll let it go all day. Sure. Same thing will, will happen here when we get the building inspected. You know, certain inspectors will come and not care about things. And other inspectors will be like, oh, your exit sign should be two inches closer to the door. Right. You know? Yep. And it, and, and it can really come down to that inspector had a bat, like his wife, caught his wife in bed that morning with his best friend. And yeah. like that day he's pissed about your exit Everything sign. Everything is failing that yeah. day. So you run into that for sure, and the cola process is no different. Yeah, you know, I'm you, sure you're running into that with the uh, uh, permitting process. Whose desk it landed on that day, and what kind of day that person's having? Yeah, that's for sure a thing. Yeah. I mean, you deal with that when you go to the DMV. Sure, absolutely. Or, or get pulled over by a policeman, oh, or not pulled over. Right. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten pulled over if that policeman, you know, hadn't stubbed his toe that morning and right. had an ingrow hair. Well, I hope you get Bill and not Bob. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That being said, I don't know if you've been out there recently. All of our manufacturing equipment is here on the ground. I saw boxes and bags and totes and everything it takes to manufacture beer, everything it takes to manufacture a whiskey is on the ground out there. Our equipment that the still and the brew house has landed. Wow. Pretty exciting. Incredibly exciting. The funny thing is, is that when we ordered that stuff, we thought that was going to be the longest lead time. Yeah, the last things to show up. Yeah, we we're going to be ready for it. It'd arrive. We'd plug it in and start yeah. playing. Unfortunately, it was the first thing to arrive. We haven't even broken ground next door. Yet. You know, maybe you should have the folks from Aliso Viejo City Hall come over and look at the level of investment that you're making in into this, and maybe they push things along along for you. That'd be nice. Would be nice, Matt. Yeah. If you're listening out there, I have just dumped a shitload into this thing. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. Back There's there. no turning back now. Yeah. Stainless steel, copper. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. As I like to say, the only way out is through yeah. at this point, Matt. Yeah, there's no going back at this point. So, yeah, no, it would be nice if we could get that whole permitting thing taken care of. We're hoping very soon after Any the first day of the year. Any day now. February. Uh, Omicron, you're fucked. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so, all right. Well, um, here I got one last thing, and then we can we can call it since we're 
We're holidays. You know, I do want to say, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for being here. I know things have been a little different over the last couple of weeks. As we get out of the holidays and get into 2022, we'll get back on a more kind of regular schedule. Josh might come back. Josh might return or may, may not. We're yeah. very happy to have Matt here. Yep, thanks. That all being said, we will not be here next week. I'm going out of town. Everyone's out of town. We, I just can't pull it. So uh, I'm remiss, and I hate to miss a week. I think I've only missed a couple, less than a handful, in over a year of doing this thing. So please allow me this week uh, to take a, a hiatus, and then we'll, we will be back um, after the first of the year. So I'm sorry to say that I will not be here. Next for the, week? For the guest. Yeah, no, no, that following. Oh, after the, where, where are you going to be? I'm going to Memphis, Tennessee. Sweet. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to hit this uh, Russell's Reserve again. Yeah, I'm going to take the other half of this. Uh, Looking forward to a little barbecue. Ooh, that is good. Memphis barbecue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Going anywhere in particular? Uh, You know, like meat, like the courtyard by Marriott and... Rendezvous. Yeah. Well, my boss is like... It's so funny because his name is Jeremy. You've met him. Yeah. Huge foodie, like real connoisseur of, of liquors and cigars and things like that. So wherever we go. It'll be good. Oh, my God. He does all the research, finds the best places, gets the reservations, and we always have a great time. Well, the Neelys, I think that's their name. And they have kind of several, bar- they have kind of the barbecue family. And then Rendezvous is like an old staple. Those are the two I know. Okay. Neelys and Rendezvous. What I wanted to do here, since we are at Christmas, have you, and we can segue by asking this question, have you completed all of your shopping? I have one stocking stuffer left to, to pick up. That's nice. Feels good. Done otherwise. Heading over to mom and dad's to do some wrapping this afternoon because okay. they've got the, they've got the setup, yeah. you know, all the tools of the trade. Well, for those of you out there that haven't completed your shopping or maybe looking for a couple extras to pick up or headed out to a holiday party, want to show up with a, a nice bottle or maybe pick something up for yourself, I thought I would give maybe like the top 10 uh, uh, off the um, Whiskey Advocates buying list. Mm. Just to kind of give you guys a, a you know food for thought if you were perusing the liquor aisles and you saw one of these jump out at you, now would be a good time to pick these up. So I'm going to give you, uh, let's do one, two, three, four, five. Uh, let's do the top five uh, bourbons, okay? Number one pick is uh, Booker's, 2021-22. I love Booker's. Booker's is good. Booker's always comes in at extremely high proof. This is uh, 63.95%. So that's like 127%. Boom. Wow. Proof. Yeah. So I love Booker's. Booker's is, is always at the top of my list, so it makes me feel good that it's at the top of their list. Yeah. Scores a 93. Booker's 2021. 20, and Booker's, each batch has a name. This is the Tagalong batch. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, like I said, 63.95%. Was it named after the Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Freddie No is Booker No's son. Booker No, uh, Jim Beam's grandson. Booger knows. I'm Booker sorry. no. Oh, Booker no. Booker's. Booker's. Booker no was Jim Beam's grandson. Oh, okay. Uh, the fifth edition of Distiller Freddie knows signature annual release. This is a weighty. Are you one. making all these names up? Booger knows snitcher. Freddie knows. <laughs> no, N O E. You never had a, a nose bourbon? N O E's. I've had a nosebleed. Okay, you're an asshole. <laughs> Um, this thing is just phenomenal. If you can get yourself a hand, uh, and it really doesn't matter any batch of bookers, but this is the highest ranking one right now. It's the tag along 2021, 22, uh, Oh, to 2021, 2022 tag along batch. Second one is pursuit. Have you ever had pursuit bourbon? I don't think so. Very hard to, to actually find. It's very hard to pursue. The, thus the name. Pursuit. Um, but if you can find it, this one's rating a 91, 54%. So, again, it's a uh, uh, 108 proof, okay. which is in our wheelhouse. Yep. We like the hot stuff. This is a blend of rye and weeded bourbons. So Ooh. if you like it a little peppery, 
um, the pursuit is right is going to be not, but it's not a full rye. Yeah. It's a blend. So it's and it's it's blended with weeded bourbons, which are very smooth and very sweet. Um, I've had it. I'm again. I'm not a big rye guy. I no. like pursuit. Okay. Um, Basil Hayden's is the next one, rated a ninety. Basil Hayden's toast, forty percent, eighty proof. 50 bucks. The Booker's is 90 bucks. The Pursuit's 65 bucks. So these aren't like exorbitantly priced. So Basil Hayden does the same thing they they name every year? Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but this one has a name. Basil Basil Hayden Toast Hmm. made with brown rice. Oh. So it's a specific proprietary. Yeah. Made with brown rice and finished in toasted barrels. Interesting. Yeah. That is, I can say I have never tried that one. I'm heading over to. I'd like to try that one. Right if now. you want to get me something for Christmas, okay. get me the Basil Hayden toast. I'd like to try it. I'll I'll bring it over, and uh, if you're not home next week, I'll just drink it myself. Okay, good, because I'm not <laughs> oh, gonna be home. Perfect. Next one is Copper Fox Dawson's Reserve. This is a, another ninety rated a ninety forty five percent sixty three dollar bottle. Uh, lots of charcoal and bonfire smoke on the nose, though it does not overplay its hand as citrus, red berries, and grapes vibe per, per position along the musty antique shop notes. Antique, antique shop, shop notes. That's I love it when they get sexy yeah. like that. It pisses Coach Baseball right off. <laughs> you know, they'll be talking about tack room leather and antique <laughs> shop muskiness. I love it. Okay, so that was, and then the last one I'm going to give you. Um, let's do is is digits. Mm. It's another one I've never tried. Never heard I've of heard it. of it. Uh, uh, a whiskey club that um, that I follow just reviewed digits. Had nothing but awesome stuff to say about it. Forty six percent, seventy dollar bottle. Okay. Um, Still within Savage range. and Cook in collaboration with NBA great Scotty Pippen. Huh. You know, that really takes it down a notch for me. I like Really the collaboration bring... kind of makes it less cool for you? Yeah, you, basically you're bringing in this celebrity because your product isn't good enough and you need your celebrity like buoy its reputation. You know what? I don't think that's necessarily always the case. I think that you, you know, you ha- you can have a good product and you have a celebrity that has an interest and there's an opportunity to collaborate there and but what what kind of collaboration? Just putting their name to it? Or he, I, I, maybe Scotty came in and sat down and, and did the tasting for the blend. Mm. If I was going to put my name on it, that's what I'd do. You know, there's a monetary agreement here, though. Scotty either is an investor or wow, okay, or they paid him to to put his name on it. I'm kind of bummed because I thought Antique Shop Notes was really really cool, and then in the next one they used it again. Uh, in the in the digits, there is an antique shop mustiness on the nose. Huh. Really, it was great the first time. <laughs> you needed two in, in within the same paragraph. The original, original. Antique shop mustiness on the nose with grape jelly and honey on toast. The kind huh. served at a diner. They I, they which, specified which one is this? Spe- not yeah. just honey on toast, but honey on toast at, at a diner. Yeah. Very specific. Which one is this? Uh, this is the digits. Oh, okay. Sweetness jumps up on the palate with candied apple, honey, throat lozenge, chocolate syrup, and cinnamon sprinkled French toast. Hmm. I really want to try that. Me too. Digits. Yeah. Rated a nine. And Scotty Pippen is somehow associated with it. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> so yeah, that's that uh, those are the top five. Question. Um, here, I'll do one more just because this is an interesting product. Go ahead. This is also rated a 90, so it's right there with the Copper Fox and the Digits. This is rated a 90. This Kings County peated bourbon. Uh, Weird. You lost me at peated. Well, me, uh, me too. I don't drink scotch because I don't like peat smoke flavored. Right. But this is interesting. You know, this is obviously a niche market. They're going for, you know, they're a, a bourbon that can span over and reach the, the scotch drinking market, the right. single malt guys. Mm-hmm. So they peated their bourbon, and this is a batch nineteen Kings County peated bourbon, forty five percent, sixty nine dollar bottle. Peated bourbon is an unusual concept to say the least. Tart aromas of dark fruit and wood embers on the nose. The palate is filled with flavorful smoke, barbecue rub, and smoked brisket. Hmm. You lost me. See all the yeah. smoke. Don't Too want it smoky. in my bourbon. Yeah, no. Don't want it. Don't. Thank you. Bye. But anyway, if you're into it, you might like that. If you're a scotch drinker and you're looking to to get into bourbon, try the Kings County Peated. I think Digits is the one I'm going to go put my money down on. The Digits or the Pursuit? If you can find that Pursuit, uh, it's worth the Pursuit. Yeah. Question. (laughs) What is the highest rated bourbon ever in that magazine? 
I uh, the highest one this year or month, whatever this is, was ninety three points. Yeah. I mean, is there a ninety five? Is there a ninety nine? Sure. I mean, and that's just in the bourbons. If you get into maybe there's a ninety five right there. Uh, scotch. Yeah. Uh, Prima and Ultima Bora, forty year old, nineteen eighty. Peated spirit. That was that's the highest one I see is that ninety five. Uh, yeah, that's it. Like what would a um... ninety five? That's the Prima and Ultima Brora, forty year old, nineteen eighty. I'm sure they rated like a Pappy at one time. I wonder what Pappy was rated at when they when they did. Yeah, it. I mean, wow, just right into the microphone. <laughs> there. That was you. Boom. All right. Uh, okay, so you got your your shopping list. You know what I want now. I do. I do. I yeah. know what you want. Maybe yeah. we'll swap. Oh, I'll get you like the fun. digits. You can get me the pursuit. Yeah. That'd be fun. If we can find it. How, now, once we'll it's just, published you know in we this magazine, do. is it hard to find? Well, it definitely, it's like anything, for sure. Yeah. Right? It definitely makes it harder. Yeah. It's like, thanks, Anthony Bourdain. Right. You know, it was way cooler to go to Anchor Watt before you went there and told everyone the, where the you can planet. find the taco shop. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Blew it. Blew it. That's the, been the worst part of social media and lifestyle television is that all these places that you used to have total private p- access to, now it's all public. You know, you used to have this cool little beach spot that you'd go and it was like no one knew about it. Now three people have taken selfies there and hashtagged it and now the entire world knows about it. Yeah. Now it went from three to three billion people. But now what that does is the places that only you felt like you knew about other people know about, but you also are benefiting from, you know, learning about places that you didn't know about. So it's a double edged. I'm not interested. <laughs> you can't find it on your own. You don't deserve to find it's it. It's not worth it. Right? It's like back in the day, like in Hawaii, you'd be walking along, and all of a sudden you'd see a little pathway, and you'd be like, "Oh, I wonder where that goes." And all of a sudden you found like a waterfall, and there was nobody else there, and it was, you were nude. I don't remember that part. Now you can't be nude. Everyone's <laughs> there. They got a selfie stick. <laughs> They're going to see yours. <laughs> selfie stick. Yeah, I got it. All right. Well, thanks for being here, Matt. That was fun. It filled the filled the void for that, me. Yeah, good. A little, you need this, little uh, hole in my heart yeah. that needs to be filled. You Jones anyway. for this. I do. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, you know, if nothing else, I like to remain consistent because I know that there are people out there that count on the show every week. I count on it. And I like to produce the, the content. I don't want to leave you hanging. I don't want to leave anyone jonesing. You know, for whatever it's worth, whatever, you know, kind of entertainment value that we can offer, I take it as a responsibility. And so I like to stand by that and I like to provide that every week and I feel remiss when I don't, when I can't. So. Well, as, as an avid listener and newly, uh, you know, uh, christened uh second chair contributor uh i appreciate the fact that you're consistent with this well nice yeah and so that's why we were here thank you for for making it possible because otherwise it would have just been me here talking and i'm not sure that the the solo episodes are everyone's favorite ones but anyway they're very informative yeah they're super informative (laughs) so if nothing else we got that going for us and here i'm gonna leave you on this we're picking um uh alternative names uh, nom de plumes. Ryan's name is Rob Banks. Mine is Doug Graves. You got to come up with yours, Matt. We'll give you a week to think about it. All right, I'll I'll work on that. So you think about it. Two weeks. Two weeks, and we'll see you right here in two weeks on the Jeremy Webisodes podcast.